This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is your boy Dak from the 410 Gaming Podcast, and when I'm not doing terrible wrestling impersonations, I'm listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Oh, yeah! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 56. Holy crap. I'm Nick Howell. (laughs) And stepping outside the proper etiquette of WWE, I am Sir Ian (laughs) Dangerous. My goodness. Nick, do we have a lot to talk about this week? This is going to be a barn burner of a show. The notes I have for this are endless. Crack your beer, get your coffee, a bottle of water, whatever it is that you imbibe, your beverage of choice, because you're in for a ride on this show. Hard liquor, my friend. Hard liquor is the only way I'm going to be able to get through this one and somehow land the plane in a reasonable amount of time because we we could easily talk about everything to discuss this week for hours and hours and hours, but we don't have hours because everyone has a limited amount of time that they can listen to us before they tune out, and I don't blame them. We just saw the last Raw pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and we're having a week where both shows felt repercussions from Elimination Chamber, uh, and it's been insanity. And that's just in WWE. Yes. There's so much else to talk about. We went to a Lucha Underground show yes. this week. This There's a ton to talk about, and we don't even have a big news segment this week like we normally do because all the big news really happened over on Monday Night Raw. John Cena's going to SmackDown? What? Oh, man. Oh, man. What? Yeah, we... Okay, so this is we need to talk about this because we're going to be talking about both Raw and SmackDown on this show. And Mr. Cena himself was on both shows this week. He came out on Raw and did probably the most trolly promo uh, in recent memory. He came out and basically said, hey, yeah, so I got beaten at Elimination Chamber. I don't really have a path to WrestleMania, so I'm going to challenge The Undertaker. Just kidding. I'm totally not challenging The Undertaker. I'm going to SmackDown and trying to get the belt over there. You son of a bitch, Cena. He had that entire Anaheim crowd in the palm of his hand. They were, yes, chanting. They were cheering. Undertaker, Cena, it's happening. No, it's not. Damn it. Son of a... This Okay, so first, let's, let's break this down. We're going to start with the Monday Night Raw side of this, and then when we get to our SmackDown segment, we'll discuss what he got up to over on SmackDown. He comes out uh, and essentially says, this is a weird new aspect of Cena we've never seen before. 
where once again he's coming out and saying it's not about you know whether you win or lose it's how you handle both of those things you know and 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 he he kind of broke that fourth wall and addressed the rumors that there was going to be an Undertaker Cena match at WrestleMania went flew right into it trolled the audience swerved them in one promo and then said boom I'm going to smack down live mic drop and out does this mean the Undertaker match is officially dead. Uh, he said it was so. impossible. He was told, I don't make the match. He, he, Cena says, I don't make the matches. I've been told the, the Undertaker match is impossible. Well, at this point, uh, is it medical reasons? That's what, That would be my question. Is it, did the, Could the Undertaker not get cleared for wrestle, to wrestle again? And, did, was there a training injury or something sure. like that? And, and if there were, it'd be one of those things where, you know, he's not going to say, he's not going to say, that. He's not gonna say right. I got injured in training. You know, they're just going to be like, yeah, no, he's not wrestling. Boom. And, and that's something that we would all accept because at this point, Undertaker doesn't have to wrestle. No. He, he's got nothing to prove. The only reason he would, you know, face Cena at WrestleMania is because it's a big, huge money match, and we'd all be excited to see it, even though it would probably be terrible, to be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, but but it would, I would still be excited to see it because all the nostalgic feels. But at the same time... If Undertaker doesn't want to do the match either because he doesn't feel ready for it, there was an injury or whatever it was, he's got the say on that. And if he doesn't want to do it, Cena is just left adrift. He doesn't have a major feud to, to go with right now. He's not being booked in the Raw main event picture. There's nothing for him on Raw. It makes sense for him to go to SmackDown in that kind of environment. But what that means for SmackDown is a whole other kettle of fish. It throws a lot of stuff on SmackDown into a very crazy tailspin. He's still alive. He can still do it. Yes, your crazy prediction that this is that this year, this is the year that Cena gets seventeen. It's still kind of alive. It got renewed. It's it's there's still life to it yet. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I think we were we were texting earlier, like, could, is it possible that we're going to get both? Yeah, like right. you've been calling Reigns, I've been calling Cena. We both, we is both this right. possible? Uh, okay, oh, so we'll, we will get further into that discussion later in the show because that is there's a lot to talk about about that, but we have to get the context of SmackDown Live to really yes. dive into it. And there's other external things as well that we'll hit in our news segment. This is going to be an ongoing topic throughout the entire show is what is going on with John Cena. But we also have to talk about the other big thing that happened on Raw which is, I would argue, the best promo that Roman Reigns has ever given. There's a little bit more of that fourth wall breaking stuff that we've been talking about for the past six months or There's, so. Yeah, so Reigns comes out. They, now, they had advertised that Lesnar would come out on this Raw. Right. They, they promoted the show that Lesnar was going to be there. And then Reigns come out, came out during the segment where we were supposed to get Lesnar Reigns. Reigns comes out and says... Yeah, so last minute news. Um, I'm not really supposed to say this, but uh, yeah, Lesnar flaked. He's not here. He's not here to face me. And he went off on Brock Lesnar, how he was an entitled part timer, how he was uh, Roman Reigns used his favorite word. He's a bitch. Uh, all that stuff. But the thing that I concentrated on here is this is the first time that Roman Reigns has dropped the, the smarmy smirk and the self-confidence and just felt like he had some real fire and was like, man, screw this guy. I'm on the road. 
the entire year not seeing my family and this joker thinks he can come in whenever he wants and screw all of us over and mess us around fuck this guy pardon my language i try not to swear in the show that much but that's basically what it felt like yeah and as someone who has pretty much never been inspired by roman reigns really like you know i'm so bored with roman reigns this time, he grabbed me by the throat and engaged me. And as you said, he's breaking that fourth wall, something that they tried to do earlier this year with the John Cena-Roman Reigns angle, yeah. and it didn't really work. Cena just bulldozed Reigns, and Reigns looked like a fool. This time, it's working. This is a, And they've tried this angle time and time again with uh, CM Punk and The Rock, with John Cena and The Rock, uh, with, with earlier this year, Cena and Reigns, okay? They've tried this angle before. Or last year, you mean. Uh, right. It's 2018 now, Ian. Yes. I, I don't know where I am, Nick. <laughs> uh, but no, they've tried this, this kind of fourth wall breaking before. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This time, for this moment, absolutely worked. Well, let's step out of kayfabe for a second and talk about what the real deal is with Brock Lesnar. Was he in Vegas with Dana White taking pictures when he was supposed to appear on TV on Raw? Uh, apparently he, I mean that he was over the weekend, but whether or not he got to LA, we don't know here. Here's the, here's the bottom line. Like most of these kind of kayfabe blurring angles that they do, we may never know the truth of how much was predetermined, how much was scripted and how much was genuinely reigns coming out and speaking his mind. Um, one thing that I liked about this was that, Reigns played it as though he was going off the script. And at the end of the whole speech, he said, all right, so I said my piece. I'm going to go back to the back and take my ass chewing like a man, you know, hinting that Vince would not be happy with what he said out there. And, uh, you know, that he had gone off the script and, and vented his true feelings. Um, you know, whatever, whatever you feel about Roman Reigns, a lot of people have been kind of griping about him not being a quote unquote true wrestler because he's a failed football star and just fell back on his plan B because his family is wrestling uh, royalty, which he brought up in this speech. Yep. Um, whatever you think about it, this was positioning himself as I am wrestling. The other guy is not wrestling. The other guy is your enemy. And this is probably the smartest way in this situation to get Brock Lesnar booed and Roman cheered, which is something that they're going to have to work very uphill for uh, to get to WrestleMania and get to this match. Yeah, they got about six weeks. Yeah, and frankly, this is one thing that we may never know the true extent of how much of this was worked and how much of this was, was a shoot because it's disadvantageous in, on many levels for us to know. Um, if this, if there's Paul Heyman's hand was in this, and he and uh, he and the WWE official uh, Twitter handle were going back and forth online, which leads me to believe that he was involved in this work somehow. It's dangerous for WWE to advertise that Brock Lesnar is going to be at a show and then knowingly pull him because that is making fans spend money on something that they're not delivering. So we they will never admit it if they told Brock to stay home. To be they can never admit well, it. Well, to be clear, and, and this is no jo- all joking aside, I had contemplated buying tickets for us to go to Monday Night Raw because I had gotten the email saying John Cena, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, yep. a lot, there was going to be this big match, right? I had thought about it. So I, it was in it was in L.A. this week. Yes, it was. And and now, but here's the thing: Would you have wanted your money back for your tickets if Brock Lesnar had no showed and you found out that WWE had canceled him? I I had not even thought about that, but I I don't know. I, I would have to. Really, I don't I, think I I think that would be 
going to an extreme. Um, if you treat it like the circus and you say, I'm going to the circus to see elephants, and right. then they, you find out the elephants didn't make it because of some reason they got stuck in oh, traffic. If, if you found out that the elephants were told to stay home, wow. you'd be pissed. You'd be like, no, nah, I was promised elephants, and you intentionally took the elephants off the show. It's, it's a dangerous move for WWE to take to, to swerve the audience in that way. But it's a brilliant way to manipulate the audience if you're if you put it out there that Brock Lesnar was supposed to be on the show and he screwed you over. Yeah, it's Brock Lesnar's fault. He wasn't there. Then he takes all of the heat, not the company. But they had to play that really close to the vest. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they were working everyone in the back except the two or three people who truly know this is like Taker's streak where yeah. Vince, Paul, Brock and Taker were the only ones that knew the outcome of that match. And to this day, they're the only ones that know if Taker really laid down for Brock or if Brock took the streak on his own, no one will ever know. Uh, this is another situation like that where Roman Reigns played his part perfectly. He played a credit where credit is due home run on Roman Reigns's part. Yep. Uh, because he now got us all pissed at Brock Lesnar for screwing us over. Uh, and if that's their angle to go into this WrestleMania, they're off to a good start. Yeah, that's a great way to kick it off, and we'll see what happens in coming weeks. Uh, the other big thing that happened at Elimination Chamber was the, the beginning of the feud, the signing of Ronda Rousey, her putting Triple H through a table and getting in Stephanie's face, all kinds of good stuff. Stephanie getting in her face and slapping the taste out of her mouth. Sure, sure. And then, you know... We get we get the comeuppance on well, Monday we had, night. We had part two. We had Stephanie demanding an apology from Ronda Rousey and wanting to set things straight. And they brought they trundled Kurt out to the ring. We started with Stephanie and, and Trips in the ring, and uh, and Kurt, and uh, and they call out Ronda Rousey, and she comes out to that ring with that power walk and that scowl, and it just it felt like here's a woman who's about to kill someone. It came across great to me, at least. Uh, if Rhonda can make entrances like that all the time, she'll be just fine. Um, comes in immediately. goes like she's going to kill Triple H and Stephanie and Kurt stops her and says, no, 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 no. I lied. It wasn't. I have double pneumonia and I don't know I what need I was this thinking. Job. I need this job. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt being Heath Slater all of a sudden. I got kids. Uh, and Rhonda Rousey gets calmed down for a second. Um, but then before Stephanie and Triple H can leave, she says, okay, well, we've, we've, we've settled that, but uh, I've never been slapped before, Steph. I think you owe me an apology. And so here's the thing, man. I, I've been down on Stephanie a lot. Uh, you know, she, she's great at working me. <laughs> she's great at getting me fired up and pissing me off in a way that few modern heels can do. But God damn it, she was great here. When she was forced to apologize to Ronda Rousey, the way that it just felt like that, it was just dragged out of her throat by animals. I just, I'm so sorry. This was fantastic from top to bottom. This bit was great. I loved it. Um, and, and everything about it from Ronda Rousey. By the way, if Ronda Rousey was good on Sunday at the pay-per-view, she was great here. Yeah, She was great here. And I, I saw Kurt coaching her on the timing in a couple of spots. And she's definitely still getting used to how these segments work. But man, she played her part perfectly. 
and this was a very entertaining segment. Well, on our Elimination Chamber recap, we talked, we speculated on whether it was going to be Kurt Angle as her partner or if the uh, the Rock was going to get his insurance situation sorted out. Do we have, do we have any updates on that over the last couple of days that we can talk about? No, except for the fact that at the end of the segment, uh, Triple H sucker punched uh, Kurt Angle on the way out. Uh, I guess just because, <laughs> kind of like, thanks for screwing this up for me, buddy. Yeah, that made no sense to me, and there was no real kind of explanation. It made no sense, except except if they're feeding into the storyline that Kurt has become a literal punching bag for Triple H and Stephanie and call it back to Survivor Series. Yeah. And if they decide to go on the angle uh, route, how exciting would it be for Kurt, who's been coming across as kind of a doofus for a while now, if he suddenly turns that corner and becomes the rabid animal Kurt Angle that he used to, like back in 2001, 2002, where he would go from being, you know, the goofy guy wearing the cowboy hat to, I will break your freaking ankle. Yep. I mean, how great would that be? It'd be amazing. If, if that's the storyline tack they're taking. I hope that's the way they're going, because frankly, if they if Rock does get cleared and Kurt Angle's out of this, out of this angle, then... I, I'm worried that Kurt's going to just be left in doofus land and, and look like a fool and never get the payoff for this. And that's the one aspect I'm worried about. Well, let's head over and talk about the next segment, which was Alexa Bliss. Uh, she's heading toward a match now with, at WrestleMania with Asuka. Do it we know looks that, that way. I don't, well, they keep saying it, but Asuka hasn't officially decided yet. I, this may be a swerve. Where we're being led to think it's Alexa and Asuka, but they have something else in mind. Well, you brought that up on the Elimination Chamber recap, and I wanted to address it here because uh, I don't see a path where she could go face Charlotte. I think we both no? agreed that that would be preferred, but she couldn't take... She would have to lose to Charlotte. Charlotte would be the one that would hand her her defeat. And would that be the worst possible outcome? No. I actually disagree. I, and I here's, here's, here is... Well, let me finish my thought. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the, the reason that I think that she can't go face Charlotte at WrestleMania is because she would end up on SmackDown. Because I think they would, they would put her over, over Charlotte. And I, put the belt on her, which is the SmackDown women's title, which means she leaves Raw and goes to SmackDown. Correct. However, there's multiple ways out of this. Okay. If she does challenge Charlotte... Don't forget, we have a woman over there with the money in the bank briefcase. Oscar mm. beats Charlotte, and then all of a sudden Carmella comes in, sneaks in a win, breaks Oscar's streak in a way that keeps Oscar looking strong, gives Carmella that rub without giving her too much of a rub because she beat her in a sneaky way. She didn't really beat her in a real match. And then you have all kinds of storyline to go forward in SmackDown. And since we're going to be having probably a shakeup after WrestleMania and all the pay-per-views will be dual brand going forward, I don't think that that leaves Asuka adrift at all. I think that gives us a ton of stuff to work with yeah, over on SmackDown. I didn't even think. I, I totally forgot about the whole dual-branded pay-per-views thing. Yeah, that, that completely opens that up. So, huh. And, <laughs> and that's a way, here's the thing. You know, a lot of people online are starting to get sick of the streak, which I think is insane. I love, I I love, love, I love the streak. And if you don't like the streak, then you just hate life uh, <laughs> wow okay damn <laughs> you hate ice cream and puppies too huh oh. uh no but th 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 that's the elegant way to break her streak and let everyone move on from that and not have it be this big thing hanging over everyone's head is to is to have carmella like someone to take the streak from her in a cheap way and that to me seems to be the most obvious way to do it if they keep her on raw she's got to beat alexa and then pff, who knows what happens yeah so yeah, that's that's. I don't know what you do with Alexa Bliss after that. Exactly. So that's that's why to me the most logical way seems to be that. And I hate fantasy booking. You know they're going to do what they're going to do. It just seems to me that that would be the optimal way 
to present this, but we're not going to know until after Fastlane. Well, what else happens with the other women uh, on Raw tonight? We had a three-on-three match with yeah, Bailey and Sasha a, involved. A, a freaking again. Yeah. You again. know, we had we had Oscar or, or Alexa in the ring gloating uh, with Mickey James by her side. So apparently they're officially buddies again. All right. Um, Oscar came out and and gave Ronda Rousey a run for her money in terms of scary walks to the ring. Uh, got in Alexa's face. There was a beatdown. All the other women came out. We had a three-on-three match. It all really amounted to very little. It's very formulaic at this very point. Very formulaic. Doesn't really matter. I don't think they've built anything uh, anything serious here where we can look at it and say we know where they're going with this other than uh, Alexis is, is saying that Naya might have a title match in her future, which might be hinting at where they're going to go with the uh, with the Raw title if Asuka does go to SmackDown. That's hmm. really the only takeaway from this. That and... Bailey and Sasha continue to have what they've backed off how heelish uh, Sasha was on Sunday, which is too bad, but they're still showing signs of cracks in the friendship of Bailey and Sasha. The two of them have been uh, very active online in showing the disruption of their friendship. Uh, hopefully this is a storyline that continues and gets more. Uh, what's the word exacerbated uh, over the next few weeks. We've got a lot of weeks to WrestleMania, so they have plenty of time to build a feud between Bailey and Sasha and make it mean something. Yeah, but stop tapping the brakes and slam your foot on the accelerator as far as her heel character is concerned. I think once she goes, she's going to go hard. Oh, it's yeah. Just, I just can't wait for it to happen. Well, Miz also had, again, one of his best promos ever tonight to where you, we always say that I, I know but man he just keeps notching it up and ratcheting up uh his ability to really incite an audience and just just that passion that explodes out of him see i i don't know if i can say it's one of his best promos because to me this felt like kind of the level that miz is at over the over the last year or two this is the level that miz has reached where he just knocks these promos out of the yard every time he goes out there and this one accomplished so many things on so many levels it told the story it got the audience mad at him it established how important the intercontinental championship was it established that he wants a match at wrestlemania and he got across that kurt angle had essentially said i've got someone for you at wrestlemania but your next few matches are going to determine who that will be and uh essentially became like an intercontinental open challenge where out comes seth rollins to face miz Maybe for a match at WrestleMania, we don't know. And that intrigue is part of the reason why this storyline, as they've, as they've presented it, is very interesting. So Seth goes on to beat Miz clean. And as Seth is about to celebrate and Miz is picking himself up off the floor, Finn Balor's music hits. And Finn comes out, takes Seth's spotlight, which Seth was not happy about, and then proceeds to have a match with Miz after getting beaten down a little bit first uh, by the Miz Tourage. They They tried to... Um, scramble the match and uh, got Miz DQ'd, but then Kurt restarted it and said, there's going to be a match and one of you has to win or you don't get a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, ejects the the Miz Taraj and the, the and Good the Brothers. Good, good Brothers came out yep. to get involved too. We were wor- we were wondering if that feud between the Miz Taraj and Good Brothers was going to continue. Maybe it is. I think so. Uh, at, at any rate, the bottom line is Miz faced both Finn and Seth and he lost clean to both of them, uh, which I thought, well, it's it's Miz. He can afford losses. It's fine. Um, but that being said, I, I didn't like how it was a look for Finn because he did have trouble overcoming a Miz who had just been in a, a match with Seth Rollins. But at the end of the day, both of them beat Miz. And it looks like from what we're seeing here, we're, we're heading into a triple threat situation for the IC championship at WrestleMania. And with these three guys involved, I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard too. 
Uh, I think it's fantastic. And you have to have Rollins in this somehow because now that he's lost Elimination Chamber, or didn't win Elimination Chamber, he does not have a path to WrestleMania outside of this. Nor Finn. Nor well, Finn. Nor Finn. So, and I, I, I think, think Finn, I think one of the two of these could have a great feud with Miz on their own sure. for the Intercontinental Championship. I'm worried about the one that doesn't. I agree. I'm worried about the one, but uh, Finn or Seth who doesn't win at WrestleMania. I almost think the Miz has to retain because, as he said on the show, he's 60 days away from breaking the all-time record, uh, and that could be a big moment for Miz is having these two guys essentially beat each other and then go off to have a program after WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, but this is right where Finn and Seth both should be. Is yeah. right underneath the main title picture. This is absolutely their level, and there's enough nuance to this storyline that I'm already invested. Seth and Finn having a, a, a bit of a, a tension because of how Finn stepped on Seth Rollins' toes and the fact that they've both been you know, kind of headbutting each over the last few weeks at Elimination Chamber. Uh, Seth is the one that, that Finn beat to get the Universal Championship that he lost the next day. So there's a whole history that you can build between Seth and Finn, and then Miz is just the Miz. You can put anyone against him, and they'll get cheered. So, th- yeah, this is a great program. This is a smart program. I'm glad they're going this direction. Well, next up, we've got Elias facing off with Braun Strowman. And is is this really the, the feud that we're going to get for WrestleMania for Braun Strowman is Elias? I really hope not. And really quickly, before we move on to this, I want to say if Seth does win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, that means all three members of the Shield will have completed the, the Grand Slam and have held all the belts. Wow. Just, just throwing that out there. Uh, Elias and Braun, I think this is a placeholder. This, this has to be a placeholder. Uh, I can't see it being anything else. There's no way, as much as they're high on Elias, he has not been presented in a way, and this was a full match. This felt like, this didn't feel like the beginning of a feud. It felt like just something to keep some heat on. He's smart. Elias is smart enough to take a beating from Braun Strowman and find a fire extinguisher and escape. He sets, he sets off the fire extinguisher into Braun's face, blinds him, uh, Braun almost gets him a couple more times, but then he ultimately is able to to run away and escape Braun Strowman. That made Elias feel crafty. It kept him looking strong in that sense. And of course, Braun still looks like a scary monster who can kill you at, at will. So it worked for both of them, but it's definitely, it feels like a holding pattern. Yeah. And one thing that I've been hearing, and this would make sense, there is swirling rumors, obviously, Brock Lesnar, with his, especially with his no-show tonight and his possibility of going back to the UFC. Uh, Dana White had a press conference where he said it's a very, 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 very good chance that Brock Lesnar will fight for UFC again. Uh, Brock's contract is up shortly after WrestleMania, uh, you know, so he could easily just vanish back to, to UFC. Um, And in addition, there's this whole kind of swirling possibility that Roman Reigns might get caught up in a steroid scandal uh, that's going on right now where a guy says he's got evidence that Roman and a bunch of other superstars were buying steroids from him or performance enhancers, illegal performance enhancers for years. Whether or not that guy's true or if he's just, you know, trying to get some, some, you know, rile up some some interest in himself, uh, we don't know yet. So, but it may be that the WWE is hedging its bets keeping Braun Strowman out of a program in order to see how the dice all all come down because Braun Strowman can be the backup for either one of those guys yep. in that in that title match. He's hot enough where you could insert him quickly, hot shot it in, in a week, and make that title match still work. 
100% agree, and frankly, I would be overwhelmingly just so happy about either one of those outcomes. Uh, can we just also take a moment to worship Elias's promo ability? Oh, gladly. Can, can we just, from the, from the, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, from, from the get-go, from the strum to the way he has dialed in the WWE universe, the, whoever came up with the WWE stands for Walk With Elias genius yeah that's a that's a that is a all-time great catchphrase right there uh and not only that i mean you've you have to look hard to find somebody else who consistently can hold an entire audience in the palm of his hand while basically just sitting in the center of a ring you know we obviously miz is consistently a killer on the mic cena is a very good promo uh this is you know honestly taking a step back and looking at this whole week this the, the consistent theme of this week is killer promos we had a ton of really great mic work this week uh and elias his promo on monday was one of his better ones he did he so many different levels he had he was bringing the audience in and then slapping them back and it was it was fantastic it was really a, a, a one of the moments where i think it was one of his finer overall performances uh in the shtick that he does every week and he's always finding new nuances to it um and while we're worshiping people's ability to talk, and Corey Graves, Corey Graves over there was killing it as well. You know, Braun Strowman had had his backstage uh, promo about how he's going to create a symphony of destruction, uh, and all of a sudden Corey basically quotes half the song, half the Megadeth. Shout out to Corey for knowing his Megadeth. Yes. Shout out to Corey for knowing yes. his Megadeth. Good man. Well done, sir. And uh, and and R.I.P. to Michael Cole's Dr. Pepper, which uh, Braun Strowman knocked over when he was oh. up by the table. And oh. I was I was distracted by the the it just slowly pouring out on everyone's notes. <laughs> it was anyway. I I digress. In other news, uh, Bray Wyatt killed Heath Slater. Yay. This uh, what, what was this? What, uh, remember, hey, remember when Rhino and Slater were the tag team champs over on SmackDown? Remember when Bray Wyatt was the WWE champion <laughs> a year ago? <laughs> Le- right out a year ago? Yeah, less oh than a my year God. ago. And and this was his way of saying, "I'm not done. I'm still. I'm going to destroy everyone until I get back to Matt Hardy." Oh my God! Really, guys? Oh, this is this is terrible. I no one no one cares. Yeah, no one cares. This this program is. I I, I don't want to say it's dead because they they're obviously keeping it going somehow. But uh, yeah, Bray and Matt will continue, and Rhino and Slater are back to just being pure freaking enhancement, and well, that's just sad. Speaking of things that nobody really cares about anymore, the bar beat Titus Worldwide two to nothing in a best of three falls match. Ooh, yay. Uh, yay. Okay, so yeah. I guess we're done with that now. I, the, yeah. the Titus Worldwide is back to where we knew they were. I yeah. mean, like, what, they tried to make them seem like contenders, and they just buried them again here tonight. And as Seamus said in, in, the, in the post-match interview, it was like, who else is there? Who else is what? Who has left the face for the bar? The Revival. Maybe, but we haven't established the revival at all. They got squashed by the Good Brothers a while back. I mean, come on. They've got, a, they've got a long way to go to make the revival seem like anything. And in addition, then you'd have a heel versus heel team for the championships. Ugh, I, 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 I care less about that than getting those belts off of the bar and onto uh, one of the newer tag teams. The, the, the tag team division on Raw is in shambles yes it's in shambles right now and i it's, thought they were going to resurrect it by bringing the shield back and we, we were, knew we were going to get the revival back at some point good brothers were on a bit of an upswing and, and it I, why are we doing the bar in titus worldwide i just because there's nobody else they haven't built up i just anybody else. off three to four teams that but, are, the, but, the, but they're what are they the good i mean they're none of them 
feel like they're contenders to the bar. And that's the problem. It is. And because they built the bar up so strong to be able to face the shield, that whole angle was a bust because, you know, because of the mumps and because of injuries and because everything else, the whole shield angle fell apart. Uh, it was a bad idea to begin with. The only good thing that came out of it was the reunion between Seth and, and Dean. That was the best part of the whole thing. And aside from that, bleh, terrible. Well, we've got to f- take it full circle back to the beginning. We've got to find out what Cena did over on the blue brand. And that means we've got to head over and talk about SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live. Oh, SmackDown Live, the land of opportunity, especially... If you're a star as big as John Cena, who apparently can waltz over to SmackDown at will and immediately get a freaking title shot, or rather a shot at a title shot, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Walks over to SmackDown Live and immediately has Shane McMahon saying, oh, John, nice to see you. Uh, How how would you like to have a chance to go to Fastlane and compete for the championship? What? 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 We, John Cena shows up on SmackDown and immediately has an opportunity to insert himself in the already overcrowded title picture. It's already Fastlane. a five-way. It's already a five-way. Now we get a six-pack challenge. If, if John, so they, the way they set it up, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, who for once were on the same page this, this week, they were on the same page, whatever. Uh, all of a sudden they go, yeah, okay, John, you want your shot? We'll give you a shot because Lord knows no one else on our show needs a shot. Rusev day. Uh, and John gets a chance. He has to beat AJ Styles on this episode of SmackDown. And if he beats AJ Styles, the champ, he gets to go into a match where he's with four other guys and the champ and possibly can win his number 17 at Fastlane. Hmm. Oh, man. And go this, on to face Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania. Are you kidding me? This escalated very quickly. <laughs> my heart palpitated. That's one way to put it. My heart palpitated. The second that I heard John Cena was going to SmackDown, the second that he dropped that mic on Monday night and said, I'm going to SmackDown, I immediately began spooling through all the possibilities. And basically what they did was what my brain came up with was, oh, God, is John Cena going to go steal our AJ versus Nakamura WrestleMania? Now, I'm not so crazy as to think that's what they're going to do. That is very high and outside. I think, I know you're over there going, my boy Cena's going to WrestleMania, Dirk, Dirk. I, I don't know. I didn't do the Dirk, Dirk part. No, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk. No, it, no, it's not. Damn it, Nick. It's not. It, it, it can't happen. It's not going to happen. But there's a chance. They're, they're, oh, that's what scares me. It, I, that that is me the, too. That is the, that's the worst uh, I, I, oh man, I hope this is just a stalling tactic to keep things interesting on SmackDown Live. A way to, because let's face it, before John Cena entered himself into that five pack challenge, we, neither of us were thinking anyone else was winning that but AJ Styles. Correct. And now doubt has been thrown into this. Yep. Now that match has stakes. Now, I don't know about you, I'm panicking because what if WWE does, does basically what they did to Elimination Chamber and flips off the fans? And goes, oh, yeah, you guys wanted AJ Nakamura? How about Cena Nakamura 2 at WrestleMania? This, now, here's the thing. Ain't going to happen because that would mean Cena wins the title at Fastlane. They're not giving away his number 17 at Fastlane. Correct. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The, the only logical way I could see him getting involved in the SmackDown title picture is after losing at Fastlane, somehow getting another one of those John Cena opportunities and inserting himself into AJ and Nakamura and making it a three-way. That would be such a huge mistake. It would be 
An enormous mistake. Because then you put both of those guys down to put the 17th on Cena. Exactly. And wow. Why? Why put over the future? Why, why put Cena over the future of your company at this point when he has said he's a part-timer? Yeah. Yeah. You, you cannot do that. Which means, which scares me to think that which, they might. Exactly. Exactly. Never, ever say never <laughs> when it comes to WWE. I lesson I learn over and over again, and that's why I'm nervous. But at the same time, it is keeping me, I don't know if I say entertained, but it's keeping me on the edge of my seat. For sure. Uh, now, here's the thing. Cena got booed to high heaven here. So it's not just us who feel this way. Well, when you mentioned earlier that uh, Shane and Daniel Bryan were on the same page in the ring with Cena at the top of the show, and they continuously got interrupted with overwhelming Rusev Day chants. Which they just ignored. Well, they kind of they, acknowledged they it. They eyeballed it, but they didn't say duly noted or yeah. anything. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, those, there's those chants again. I wish that, it's funny you bring that up. I wish they would continue the duly noted thing because I liked that acknowledgement that they were listening. It was, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a funny uh, phrase. It's a catchphrase. It could be a catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. I, agreed. And I definitely want to, I, I want to come back to the Rusev Day thing. Okay. Um, obviously, we've, we've spent a lot of uh, <laughs> verbal time on how SmackDown has handled the Rusev Day phenomenon. And there's more to say about it later in the show, but, but we'll get to that. We have to get what, to what ultimately happened with John Cena here, and that is he had his match with AJ Styles at the end of the show. And again, the two of them have great chemistry. We had a, we had a great match. Wasn't quite on the level of their previous classics at Royal Rumble and SummerSlam. Sure. But it was very good. It was, a, it was what you'd expect from a, a, a weekly show, from a, week sh- uh, a SmackDown uh, match. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Cena beat AJ clean. So Cena is now officially in the six-pack challenge. Uh, and AJ just got beat clean on TV by a guy who has been losing to everybody on Monday Night Raw for months now. Does this make AJ look bad? Does it make SmackDown as a whole look bad to have a guy, a kind of let's, let's call it a spade a spade, a reject from Monday Night, come over to SmackDown and just boom on the first time, first night he's there, beat the champ? Is that bad? Uh, I don't know if it's bad. It makes me question everything that I had in my head about what would out, what the outcome would be in the five person scenario at Fastlane. That's well. That's the, I know? think that was the point. That was one of the points that they wanted to make was that AJ is vulnerable. You you could have him land something on Ziggler and pin Ziggler, and then he all of a sudden he's the champ, and all the other guys could be selling outside the ring, and all of a sudden, wait, what? Yep, AJ doesn't even have to be. Pinned. Everything changes in a minute. Yeah. Oh no. Once once Cena's in the picture here, it definitely makes that six pack challenge that much. It, it, it's so much more interest now in that match. Yeah. Uh, so on on that aspect, it is absolutely succeeding in making that match more exciting. On the other side, I here's the thing. I think AJ can lose from time to time, and it doesn't it doesn't really hurt him with the fans. No. Everyone's still gonna love him. Uh, especially losing to Cena. That's not really. That's not really going to hurt him that much either because it's John Cena. Um, so there's certainly an aspect you can look at it and say, oh, that's not good. But here's the thing. There's nobody else on SmackDown who John Cena could beat that would have given him as much immediate prestige because Cena has been on a downward trend for the last half of a year. There's no one else Cena could beat on that show that would have given him immediately as much cachet as beating AJ did. Yeah. So now immediately by beating AJ, 
it makes, as you said, the six pack that much more challenging and entertaining and interesting and scary because they're willing to do this. Well, I wouldn't have put personally, I wouldn't have put him against AJ. I would have run him through some kind of gauntlet of the other three or four guys that are in that match. Uh, or a handicap of some sorts with Baron and Ziggler, maybe. But that would I don't not, know. But that wouldn't have given the sense of danger. I don't think. Maybe, but it, it would have felt more like a an earned thing. But they've than, burned all their other heels on SmackDown so badly to the point where even like let's say AJ beat uh, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a two on one match. That's how far they've fallen. Okay. Cena could easily run through a gauntlet and we wouldn't be surprised. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. He just beat Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Ziggler back to back. That's believable. Well, <laughs> going back to what we did in Elimination Chamber recap where we, we replayed your thing from six months ago, we are going to see John Cena run through the entire roster again. And it's kind of aligned with it's not exactly what you said, but I mean, yeah, uh, we're seeing it again. I don't think we're you're going to see it Cena to the top. I don't think we're going to see Cena run through the whole. Uh, they're keeping Cena at a certain level still. Uh, because you have to have somebody there to to scare AJ and to scare us at Fastlane uh, because they're holding back on Nakamura for a while because there's no one for Nakamura to face on SmackDown that will get him hot right now. We'll get to that too. Uh, bottom line is we got to talk about everybody else who's in the six-pack challenge because they all got involved as well. There was a Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin match which happened on the show, which was essentially a meaningless match. It just happened to be there to have all this other stuff going on around it. Sammy and Baron going back and forth while Kevin Owens is on commentary. Brilliantly uh, on commentary, by yes. the way. He was fantastic. Uh, and then at a certain point, you had Dolph Ziggler jump out of the crowd and super kick him in the back of the head like Kevin Owens had insulted his kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Kevin looked like he gave him a pretty stiff super kick last week, and if so, this was definitely a receipt because Ziggler laid into the back of Kevin's head. And meanwhile, backstage, you had Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan watching and arguing about how good Kevin was or was not on and eating, commentary. Eating popcorn. Yeah. Good God, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? Shane just changed like a, He's yeah, bulking. <laughs> He's trying to get some of that lipid layer back with all right. that salt. Uh, yeah, no, man, Shane was just... Eating, tearing through popcorn through this whole segment and being really obnoxious, I think intentionally. Yeah. Um, yeah, more of that dynamic between the two of them and the, the uncomfortable tension between the two of them while this is going. Again, this was basically the segment where we get every other aspect of this feud uh, addressed in some way. I would have saved this for the go-home show next week. Oh, no, I think I think they have much more to tell us with this. I think now okay. that Cena's involved, that we have to have all six of them have some sort of interaction next week. This was just basically all the other guys because let's face it at this point it's cena and aj are the guys that matter and everyone else doesn't matter because that's basically how they've booked smackdown is you've got uh, this really limp mid card and then one or two very top guys uh and i mean this whole this whole section except for kevin owens's commentary was i felt it was useless it was it, it meant nothing uh so, yeah, th- this was just a way to remind us that all these guys were involved in this match and that Shane and Daniel Bryan still had disagreements yep. and that Kevin and Sammy were still on Shane's bad side. Again, it was more of SmackDown spinning its wheels and reminding us of stuff that we've known for months now. Yeah, and after he jumped in and super kicked Kevin Owens in the back of the head, he gets in the ring and gives uh, Baron Corbin the zigzag and we get his music, which now has the record scratch as part of it. Yeah, his what music just starts with the record scratch no matter where he is. That's just, ugh, terrible. Another Good another God, another guys. horrible design choice. And that wasn't all because all of these guys came out at the end of AJ versus Cena 
and had a gigantic brawl. And here's where you see everyone. This is what we're going to see next week is all of these guys are now involved. But in this section, I want to call out whoever the hell was in the production truck. 32 cuts in 34 seconds. You counted? I saw it online. I didn't count myself. I don't have that kind of time. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to sit there and hit a clicker. Uh, But I believe it. I, I watched that section and it was like having an epileptic seizure trying to keep up with what was going on. Now, some of it worked to keep excitement going, but that it was way too much. Yeah. Way, it, was, it was almost impossible to follow. Uh, another, another horrible production flub on SmackDown in this section where you had all these guys fighting each other, and, and Cena ends, up, ends the show standing tall, and then we really quickly fade out. It was, uh, it just, it just was just chaos and not the good kind. Yeah, not the sanity kind that we like. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of NXT, Ruby Riot faced off against Naomi. Uh, I thought this was an interesting kind of dynamic because, again, we're just going through these this three-on-three matchup with Becky, Naomi, and Charlotte facing off against the Riot squad. But I I, I want to see Ruby wrestle more. And I, I, I like her going through the women that have been at the top of the card, at least on the face side, for the last year or so. And I, I think this is a good way to kind of Put her in there. We're we're kind of starting to finally establish the hierarchy of who's better than who on the women's side of things. Yep. Uh, you know, we've we established here that Ruby can beat Naomi. We've established that Charlotte can beat everybody. You know, we've, we're establishing who can beat who. And they need to build up Ruby as a contender because right now there's nobody who believes that she is any kind of competition for Charlotte no. when they have their match at Fastlane. They need to make Ruby look good. And this it didn't make me feel like Ruby was a contender still. It made me feel like she could beat Naomi, but it wasn't a convincing win by any stretch. So yeah, this again feels like just, uh, I'm not, it's not connecting. It's just not connecting all these storylines on SmackDown with the women. There's no connection here. It's just, they go out, they're there and it doesn't feel like anything important at all. Well, I do see a, path a dirty rotten scoundrel path where ruby could potentially sneak a win over charlotte at fast lane and we could see a carmella cash in at fast lane not at mania and then you end up with a carmella and ruby potentially at, uh, at wrestlemania I, i'm just you're kidding I'm, yourself I'm, i know it sounds crazy it is crazy because there's no way that's a money draw i agree the wrestlemania is where they bring all their casual fans in and charlotte is absolutely noticeable like she is the number one female draw in the company with Asuka slightly second. Yep. Well, and Ronda Rousey now, I would say above our, both of them as far as casuals are concerned. But yeah, there's no, I'm sorry, there's no way. I know, never say never, but there is no way Ruby Riot takes the title off of Charlotte at Fastlane. There's no way they go into WrestleMania with Charlotte somehow not with the belt. Sure, but I would rather have Carmella cash in on a, a sneaky win from Ruby Riot than have her cash in on Charlotte. I, guess I would rather, the point well, I would as rather. I said before in the show, cash in on Oscar as soon as Oscar beats Charlotte. That is the most elegant way to end the streak sure. and to create a huge program going into the new year after WrestleMania. Well, heading over to the tag team division, this actually, there was a lot that went on here. Uh, Ian, I'm going to let you do the breakdown, but we ended up with starting with Brizongo in the back, kind of back to form. Yeah, Brizango definitely presenting themselves as kind of the goofy fashion police again. A lot of like quippy one-liners and, and funny moments. It was the segment backstage was I think more of a 
commercial yeah. for the new show with Josh Dumel, or I guess it's Unsolved Mysteries or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't really pick up. I don't. Well, we I solve all our cases. I don't really care. Um, but yeah, and it was the fashion police thinking that Josh Dumel was an actual detective, and then all the hilarity that came along with that, and Josh Dumel saying, "Oh, one of the first things we go over is the Tupac and and Biggie mystery," which of course was the cue for uh, the the wrestler Big E to show up and cut some uh, some scintillating rap bars. And uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, look, this needs no breaking down. This was a really fun segment. Yes. Josh Dumel, I've been down on him when he, was, when he was on commentary, but he played his part perfectly here. Uh, Brizango was hilarious. New Day was very fun. This was just a fun little segment uh, to promote another show on the USA Network. But it ended up with a New Day coming out to the ring and cutting another New Day promo about how they were going to face the Usos and it was going to be great. And the Usos came out. And as we said earlier on the show, if there's one theme this week, it's killing promos. My God, the Usos got in the ring and hit some fire, some fire notes where they shit on their old gimmick. And they said, look, we had to suffer through that crap and look at us now. We've, you know, where we are now, you guys are still in the candy colored, you know, goofball shit. And that's when Biggie snapped and just went off on them in, I can't remember the last time that, that Big E went serious and reminded me what a great, I mean, look, the New Day are great promos, yeah, but they're good, fun promos. They don't do serious promos often. Big E went straight serious. Yeah, he did. And it was it raised, it's raising hairs on my arm right now to remember his promo on the, on the, and, I mean, they got up in each other's faces and I was not excited to see New Day Usos again. And damn it, they got me excited. This is how you, this is classic promo work. Getting people who aren't initially excited about your program excited just through the use of words. Yep. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm in again. I'm in. Me Usos too. Usos New Day again? Okay. Cool. If, if, if we get that again for the rest of the year, I'm okay with that. Because how? what the hell else is they Dude. have over on SmackDown? Oh, wait. The Bludgeon Brothers. Who came out and scared everybody out of the ring. I don't know if I liked the fact that the Usos and the New Day ran from the Bludgeon Brothers and gave the Bludgeon Brothers the ring at this point. It was a, it was weird. Even the audience was was, was chanting, you know, why you scared? They were them. also chanting Rusev Day, I believe. But they never stopped chanting <laughs> Rusev Day. And we will get to Rusev Day. That will be uh, something that, that we talk about in a second. But I'm, I'm one, more, one more quick accolade. Pardon me. Pardon the pun on Rusev Day there. One more quick accolade to New Day and Usos. How many times over the last year did they take a shit segment and spin absolute gold out of it and, and, and invest us in the feud, not just through putting on great matches, which they did, but making killer segments. Yep. Once um, again, I once lost, again, I lost at least eight to ten times last year. I'm sh- time know, and time again because we started right after Mania with that that actually coming into Mania with yeah. that feud. And I and, and initially when you know my notes initially that I took on this segment when the Usos and New Day started confronting themselves in the ring is you know this, it reminds me a little bit of Raw in that for some reason now I don't feel like the tag team division on SmackDown has that much depth. Like we've we've pretty much buried. Every other team, you know, Gable and Benjamin, or they, they've shown they can be beaten by the Usos pretty handily. Yeah. Uh, Brizango are a joke, literally. The Ascension are also a joke. Um, Bludgeon Brothers have never really had a real match, but we know they're, gonna, they're going to at some point. But at this point, you know, there's not much depth to the tag division, which yeah. is a shame on SmackDown. It's just lucky that their two top tag teams 
are so damn good together. It, well, it's also a shame we were so high on it last the second half of last year. You know, as we saw the the comeuppance of a couple of the other teams. I, you know, yes, it was New Day and Usos mostly for last year, but you know, it was so good there for a while, and, and it had that depth, but it lost it. And I thought we were going to get Gable and Benjamin against the Usos there for a long time. I thought that was going to lead Well, I to, thought it was going to be a legitimate feud. It, it really wasn't. After no. Looking back on it, it wasn't a legit feud at all. The, the Usos just rolled over them, which is a good look for the Usos. You know, if you want to have dominant-looking champs, but they really rolled over them. And I think it was a disservice to Gable and Benjamin who have a lot more to give than what they were shown to have given. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of Rusev Day, next up we had a match with Shinsuke Nakamura facing off against my boy, Aiden English. All right, here we go with this particular... Let me do my stretches here, Nick. Uh, it's, uh, it's almost rant 30 here. Oh, boy. All right, so we have yeah, Aiden ready. English versus Shinsuke Nakamura. All right, so here we are on SmackDown Live where over the course of the last mm, six months, despite the good things that have been going on, the one thing that six months, a year at this point almost, the one thing that they've consistently done is destroy any believable heels on this brand. In addition, they have, they have taken so many people who were so hot and cooled them off to the point where they've lost their, their luster. And Shinsuke definitely has come down from what he was coming into the WWE, partly because they've had him in a bunch of limp feuds with people that don't feel like they matter. Ziggler, Corbin, uh, Jinder. Yeah. Yep. Um, you had last year mostly taken up with the Jinder experiment, uh, which, I mean, basically killed everyone that was fed to him and made everyone else look like a joke. And so here we are now at the beginning of 2018. And you have Shinsuke Nakamura, who is basically sitting on a ticket to WrestleMania, and he's facing off against Aiden English, who, whatever you think of him, shouldn't be being competitive with Shinsuke Nakamura for eight minutes. He shouldn't. Shinsuke should look like he can murder a guy at this level. And he didn't. And part of that was because you had some outside interference from Rusev, who gave him a monster super kick outside the ring. Here's the problem with that. As we've said over and over on the show, Rusev is getting chance all over the place. Now, yep. whether that's like a CM Punk kind of thing or whether that's people genuinely being into Rusev Day, speculation for another, another discussion. Right now, Rusev is one of the most over guys on the roster, and they have steered the ship away from that over and over and over again. And not only are they not steering into what is a face reaction to this guy, by, by they don't, they're not making him a face. He was absolutely working heel, and so was Aiden in this section. The people are cheering them, and then Aiden shits on the town, and people are like, yay, boo, boo, I guess. Oh, I guess we're supposed to be booing these guys. But then you have a guy who's supposed to be as over as Shinsuke Nakamura and getting cheered as much as Shinsuke Nakamura. And you have Rusev, who people also want to cheer, doing these dastardly deeds against him. And it makes the audience go, uh, who do we cheer for? I, this, to me, this is a bad look. This is, this, is, this is not the way to present these two. Keep these two away from each other. They will get more cheers on their own than if you put them together and try to get people on one of their side or the other side. The same people like both guys. So it's, it's hard when, you're, when Rusev is almost presenting himself as a face, except for, you know, kick in the faces, in right. the face. Uh, so, yeah, this, is, this was just, this is more of this incomprehensible booking going on in SmackDown where you're not getting either guy over 
by having them be in the same angle. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where there's really nobody for Shinsuke to face that will get him more heat at this point. Who, who's going to fire him up for his, his match with AJ? Baron Corbin? We've seen it. It's terrible. Jinder Mahal? You could maybe build a story where Jinder has something over Shinsuke, and Shinsuke needs to get his win back from earlier in the year, and he can finally redeem himself and murder Jinder, and it, it will be a great big thing. But there's, there's nobody. There's nobody. And, and having him go against Aiden, obviously they didn't want to put him directly against Rusev because sure. that would really divide things. Right. But even against Aiden, it, does, it didn't work. Well, I've got a singularity for you. Uh, quick notes, quick side note. At the end of this match, John Cena walked oh, out. Oh, God. And uh, maybe trolled Knock a little bit at trolled the end of the match. Trolled all of us? I think this was, this was definitely the WWE saying, hey, you guys want to see Nakamura Cena at WrestleMania? Because if Cena wins a six-pack, it's going to happen. Yeah, they had that little moment, and my chills and my stomach dropped. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'm... 90% sure that was a troll. I'm 90% sure that was them them just trying to 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 make us I'm not so shaking sure. our boots, but oh god, there's a chance that it wasn't. There's a chance that they're thinking about that. Guys, you already gave us Nakamura Cena on TV back in September. Yep. You gave it away already. It's not going to feel new or fresh if you do it at WrestleMania. Sorry. Give us what you already told us we were going to get and that we are over the moon about, which is AJ and Nakamura. Yeah, if they... If, they are going to do it, though. I think they are. I, I know you do because you're a sick individual <laughs> who loves seeing pain in others, but I, I cannot... I can't... You know, I, I spent all year resigning myself to the idea that we were going to have Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And after the Royal Rumble, I thought, well, what a, what a smart idea. In their two main events, WWE has given the casual fans and its CEO uh, a match, and it's given the hardcore fans and the the internet wrestling community and whatever you want to call them, the marks, the smarks, uh, you've given them a match in AJ and Nakamura. Brilliant. You're serving two masters here. If they go back on that second one and give us Cena and AJ or Cena and Nakamura instead of AJ and Nakamura at WrestleMania... Oh man, the the backlash is going to be fierce, <laughs> sustained, uncomfortable, and painful. And I'm not talking about the pay per view. No, I want to put this in perspective because this is a really good talking point. So you could potentially walk out of WrestleMania. You could you could ha- have the credits roll with Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, and John Cena, the WWE Champion. And I think that would be the worst thing for business that they could do. But to your point on our Elimination Chamber recap, I think they are both Band-Aids that need to get ripped off so we can move past them. I personally, you know what? Instead of, you don't have to rip off both Band-Aids at once. That's twice the pain. Give me one Band-Aid now, another Band-Aid next year, (laughs) damn it. I don't need them both right now. Well, to your point, AJ and Nock, we're going to ease the pain of the Roman exactly. Brock inevitability. It was right? a spoonful of sugar that was going to make the medicine go down. Yes. And now you're, you're teasing us with having two big spoonfuls of medicine? And not even good medicine. This is, this is crap. Oh, this is crap over-the-counter medicine. This isn't even prescription medicine. There was no doctor approved this. FDA didn't approve this medicine. This is nonsense. And I'm not having for I'm not standing for it. I'm not going to have it. I swear to God, if Cena goes to WrestleMania and wins the title at WrestleMania this year, and we've got Cena and Reigns as the two champs, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something drastic. <laughs> 
I'm going to do something drastic. And Vince is in the back going, <laughs> How you like that, pal? Yeah. Oh, well, not to be undone with lacklusterness, we also had a segment to close out the show with Randy. Not to close out the show, but uh, Randy Orton and Bobby Roode. And I just couldn't care less. I care more now that this this is a very quick segment that addressed the fact that they have a match coming up at Fastlane that, that they haven't done a good job building so far. They did a good job addressing the fact that so far this has been built off of Jinder Mahal trolling both these guys and saying, ha ha, aren't you sad that one of you is higher on this stupid top 10 list than the other one? And in this segment, basically all it was there for was for Randy to say, Bobby, I don't care about the damn list. I care that the U.S. title is the one title I've never held, and I want it. Boom. That, for me, undid so much of the garbage in this feud up until that point. Steer into that. Steer into that, and you've got me interested in this. Randy's hungry for a title he's never had. Bobby Roode has that title, and he's he's going to hold on to it because it's his first title in WWE on the main roster. Boom. That's a feud. Give me that. Yep. Give me that, and we're good. Well, hey, that's it for SmackDown Live. Tune in next week for the Go Home Show for Fastlane, the last pay-per-view that we get before WrestleMania. Yes. We, will, we will have four weeks left on that road to WrestleMania. I'm not going to lie. So far, Fastlane is definitely feeling like a, a B or C level pay-per-view. It usually is, though. Except for that John Cena in the six-pack challenge match, which I, I'm going to need some serious medication for that match. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to be watching that match with a bottle of whiskey ready yeah, just in case. Well, hey, as we promised at the top of the show, there is a ton of other stuff to talk about this week. So let's head over and talk about some noteworthy notes, starting with the fact that we went to Lucha Underground. We did. We went to a taping of season four of Lucha Underground. And unfortunately, that's about all we can say. Yeah, we we had to sign an NDA. Unsurprisingly, it, it makes total sense. So we are limited in how much we can talk about what we saw. So we can pretty much stick to the stuff that's already come out, uh, like the fact that they have a new location for the temple. Yes. The temple is no longer located in Boyle Heights. It's now located in downtown Los Angeles in an old uh, abandoned cold storage facility. Yep. Um, It's cavernous inside this place. It looks really cool. The new temple is... Is very cool as well. It's it's reminiscent of the old temple with some of the same kind of build out of it, uh, but then it's different enough, and they've they found some new tricks to make it uh, look like it's cold in there. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, it's interesting because they don't have. It didn't feel to me like they had as many spot points, if you will. Like the old place, it seemed like it was built for a lot of big spots. And this one, I, I didn't see how many creative spots you could do with the space. That doesn't mean that they won't find them. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely was a different setup than the previous one. Yes, and uh, we saw some returning stars. We saw some surprising debuts. Oh, man, did we see some surprising debuts. That's you know, all we can say about it. <laughs> I, I will say uh, there were a couple of debuts that we saw. One in particular was, was one that has been speculated on. That's all we can say. Um, so I don't think people will be completely shocked. We, we were definitely like, we were definitely shocked, yep. but at the same time, we're like, well, that makes sense. Yep. It does make sense. Um, but it's very cool as well. And it, it will be an addition to their roster that I think is going to, to make a strong impression and could go a long way in storyline. Yeah. Definitely like that a lot. 
Um, we did have good seats. We, we were sat ringside, so uh, well, I don't want to get into details of it, but we're going to be up in them cameras. We are going to be up in your TV screens. If you're watching season four of Lucha Underground when it comes out, it'll probably be one of the earlier earlier episodes. Uh, you will definitely be seeing your boys in the front seats, and uh, we will be involved in some action. That's all we can say I just I seem to not be able to go to a lucha show without some sort of action happening at or around my seats which I'm not mad at yeah uh but uh yeah man it's it looks to be a very exciting season and they're picking up right where they left off in other lucha underground news it has been announced the weekend of wrestlemania (laughs) lucha underground speaking of trolling uh, and well you know and Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling will be having a cross-promotional battle where you're going to have stars from both brands competing with each other uh, at WrestleCon. Not only is it the weekend of WrestleMania, it's also in, in New, New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> I, I, people who are going down to New Orleans in April had better have a lot of money on them because there's going to be so much to do when it comes to wrestling. Now, So this, this makes a lot of sense to me because... I mean, if you're not in AAA, you're in Impact if you're in Lucha Underground. You know, like, or what are we going to have? A Johnny Mundo versus Johnny Impact match? Oh, maybe. No, that's the same guy. It's my point. You know, it's it's that it's a lot of these guys cross over Cage, uh, Johnny Mundo, Taya. They're all in Impact as well. But which one are we going to see? That's what I'm saying. Which character will we see show up in these matches? So I'm very much looking forward to getting the final list of what those matches will be. That's going to be exciting come WrestleMania season. Well, back over on the WWE side of things, let's talk about uh, NXT. Now, I dare you to find a promo package more emotional, in than the one that started out on Johnny Gargano at the beginning of this week's NXT. Oh, like a little like plinky pianos when he's sitting alone in the ring, like on the verge of tears because he knows he's just lost his NXT contract and he's, he's fired. I, yeah, that was some good stuff. That's, and here's the thing. They're able to get these incredibly emotional moments in NXT, and I'm like, man, where is this stuff on the main roster? This this is stuff I want everyone to see. This kind of stuff. This is this is good sports entertainment right here. Yeah, and earlier in the week, we had a video that was I think it was only on their website or on social media of Johnny Gargano signing his termination papers with William Regal and the referee that missed the call for him to lose that match. They actually did end up showing this on this NXT show this week. They showed that clip. Right. And it was, I'm glad they did because that was some essential storytelling. Gold. Uh, <laughs> all, almost as gold as Ciampa's little dead-eyed bye-bye wave, which has now become part of the opening package, the opening crawl oh, for really? the show. Yeah. Nice. So that, which is brilliant. It's an icon. That is, to me, that's already iconic, is, is Ciampa waving bye-bye to Johnny's. He's getting fired. That's, mm, that's good stuff. I want a t-shirt of that one, of that image, <laughs> not the Blackheart. Though the Blackheart shirt, uh, Ciampa just said everyone wants that shirt, and, and WWE Shop uh, asked him if they could use his shirt and sell his shirt on WWE Shop, and he said, no, because screw the fans. Screw the fans. <laughs> yes! I, I'm Ciampa. Screw the fans. That's, that's, that, is, that is A-level heel work well right there. You want my shirt? No, screw you. I'm a heel. You don't get my shirt. So where do you think this goes? Is Johnny really gone? Is he going to 205? Does Ciampa follow? Does Johnny come back as some kind of like retribution? Yeah, I, I don't. No, how do and they get this back for takeover in a month? But this is this is why it's so good because <laughs> I'm like, where do they go now? How I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where they go, and that's exciting. Almost as exciting, actually, probably more exciting. But another exciting thing that happened this week, and that was Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Bate. I was shocked this happened 
this soon. I thought we'd have more build for this match, but no, we got it pretty quickly. Um, and and this was, I thought, an interesting match to begin with in terms of booking because Tyler Bate is half the size of Velveteen Dream. Literally. Just like, literally. Height and si- and girth. The only know? thing he's got that's the same size as Velveteen Dream is his thighs. Because yeah. <laughs> yes. Tyler Bate is basically looks like a horse. He's got these huge quads. Uh, no, this was this was great. This was Tyler Bates showing off what a in ring technician he is. How good his how good his mat wrestling is, and Velveteen showing off some great character work working opposite of him. This was a lot of chemistry between the two. I thought it was a very solid match. Not not a match of the year, match of the week contender by any chance, but it was it was very solid. I was entertained. Uh, I still think Tyler Bate is being punished for something because again he loses clean to Velveteen. I don't know if they're trying to build him up into another underdog baby face or, or what's going on with him. Well, do they do something with him outside of the UK championship picture and maybe put him into, I don't know, the championship picture? I mean, well, you, he was, you he pretty was, clearly got... He uh, just lost the 205 Live tournament uh, oh, a couple right. weeks ago. That's so right. I, I don't know. I don't know where Tyler goes. Obviously, Velveteen's got a rocket strapped to him. So, But uh, I, I am worried about Tyler a little bit. Well, next up, we had Cesar Bononi coming out and facing off against Adam Cole. And this was probably one of my more entertaining segments of the week uh, was was Adam Cole facing off. And basically, as the match started, the bell rang. Adam Cole asked for a microphone and said, hey, guys, hang on. I just want you guys to know this is the 2017 NXT Future Star of the Year. <laughs> Meaning we're now in 2018 and he's been nowhere, right? Right. Yeah. The, After so, Adam Cole coming off the year Adam Cole had in NXT, so <laughs> uh, this was fun. No, it was know? just great character work on Adam Cole's part. It's it's reestablishing the the smarmy asshole heel persona that Adam Cole has, which is fantastic. He he plays it. He's the Miz meets Shawn Michaels, in my opinion. You know, and that's. I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this ended up being him picking up a win over Cesar Bononi in cheap fashion, of course. Um, I'm not as high on Cesar Bononi as everyone else seems to be. I, obviously, he looks the part, but he's got the charisma of a wet towel. Yeah. And, you know, Adam Cole just steamrolled That's him. That's being nice. It's, he steam, Adam Cole steamrolled him in every aspect. Uh, this was just a way to get Adam Cole more established. Yeah. That's it. Well, next up, we had a rematch of the May Young Classic final with Shayna Baszler facing off against Kyrie Sane. What who, the hell was this? Who interfered in her match with Ember Moon uh, recently, and now we had this match set up. So, I, why did we not save this for Takeover? This is yeah, I don't uh, what. And not only that, Baszler beat her clean. Now, this was a lot more technical, I thought, than the very simplistic May Young Classic final match, which was. All about the arm and all about, you know, it's very simple storytelling. This had a lot more going on, and yeah. I actually liked it because of that. I felt like Kyrie showed more range. There was a lot more moves. Baszler, I thought, was very impressive in the range of moves that she was able to pull off. Uh, and she, I think, grasps how she's portraying herself in the ring. She's gotten a lot better very quickly. Uh, whoever's training her over at the Performance Center is doing a fantastic job with her. And once she beat Kyrie, she jumped down to the uh, announce table and started screaming at them about how she's coming for Ember next, and she's leaving either with the title or one of Ember's limbs. Damn, which is a great—that's a great line as well. Yeah. Uh, Baszler's presentation is fantastic. Um, the only question I have here is, what are they doing with Kyrie? What? What is what? I have a theory, 
And and you know, I, I think there's there's between Shinsuke Nakamura, Asuka, and if you introduce Kyrie Sane into that picture, you've got two superstars on the main roster that are having trouble delivering promos in not their native language. And I, I want to say that Kyrie would probably fall into that same category. And there's a certain point where, sure, it works in Japan because you've got Japanese native speakers there as your superstars. But you do have some dudes there that are not native Japanese speakers. But Japanese people are smart enough to go and learn English. So you're saying we're dumb over here in the States. We're not as um, sophisticated, not as motivated to go out and learn a sec- complex second language like either English or Japanese. I think that is a terrible excuse for what is essentially, you know, there's nothing wrong with just presenting someone as not speaking English, but they're still a competitor. I think WWE is locked into this mindset that you have to have a promo in order to be a superstar. I agree with that, though. You do agree with that. See, I don't. I don't think you have to be a good promo. In the WWE, you do. I I don't. In other promotions, it works fine because it's all body language and storytelling outside of the ring. It's not. There's so much dependency in the WWE on. Mike delivery for setup and for feuds and all of that stuff. But you're saying that things are the way they are because they are the way they are. That's not that's not a logical <laughs> explanation. You're saying you're saying, well, that's the culture in the WWE because that's how the WWE runs things. That's what I'm saying is WWE doesn't have to run things that way. They don't have to. They've just done it for three decades. Right. It, it's but, how it works. But things evolve. Things change. I mean, they're uh. doing things in NXT that they've never done in the three decades, four decades, five decades that WWE's been around and on TV. And this is this is the thing is you don't. Let's look at the next thing that happened in the night, in the night, which was uh, Cien Almas and Selena Vega coming out to the ring and cutting a promo. And it's not like Almas is a great English promo either. He's not. I'd say he's down at the Nakamura level. Yeah. He doesn't have a good grasp of the English language, and his accent is super thick. Um, and that's why they put someone like Zelina Vega with him. But that's when it works. Because, why, why does it he work? He doesn't have to be a good promo. Asuka, here's the thing. Don't ask people to do something that they can't do. Agreed. Keep them within the limited set that they can do. Asuka can give you a few word answers to questions, especially if you lead her into those answers. If you don't make things too difficult for her, She's actually gotten a very good handle on a, a an intelligible accent. Shinsuke has to work on his the, the way that the Japanese language works uh, in your tongue placement and in terms of how you pronounce syllables, consonants, and 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 vowels is different than English. Someone needs to teach Shinsuke where to put his tongue in his mouth so that he can pronounce certain syllables correctly in English, which is a different way of pronouncing them in Japanese. But that's it. And then just give him a... Because he, he's actually pretty good at understanding English. I've heard him in interviews on other podcasts. He's good at communicating in English. He just has a very, very thick accent. Keep people into the limited amount of... Uh, the limited things that they can do and don't try to push them out of that. That's the thing that WWE does that makes no freaking sense. And we're yeah. going off down, down a rabbit hole on this, but I don't think that's a reason to de-push Kyrie Sane. It makes me wonder what else is going on Backstage, I'm saying that the the addition of her into that is just too much of that at one I, time. I don't think so at all. Okay, why why keep hiring Japanese superstars if you're gonna gonna only gonna push one or two of them? Doesn't make any sense. Well, hey, going back to the uh, C and Almas promo, uh, he came out with Selena Vega, and the part him doing the promo was great. He looked fantastic. It was fine. He had, he had enough passion to get over the language barrier. Yes, fine. But the part of this that was interesting for me was Alistair Black. Oh yeah, coming out afterwards with his amazing music, 
And he wasn't alone because right after him came out Killian Dane. And mm, now mm. we're setting up Alistair Black and Killian Dane, where I thought we were getting mm-hmm. Alistair Black going after Cian Almas for the title. All of a sudden, Killian Dane being introduced into this makes it that much more interesting. Are we getting Alistair Black versus Killian Dane, or are we leaning more towards triple threat for the NXT championship? No, I think they've established that the road to Cien almost goes through Killian Dane for Alistair Black. I think that was the exact phrase they used. So I think Killian Dane and Alistair Black is the number one contendership match for the next takeover, and I, th- I think we'll see that in the next which, few weeks while we're doing the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Which I don't understand because we've already established that Killian Dane is the number one contender. But this is an opportunity for Aleister Black to take that is what it sounds like exactly yeah and I think what it was initially going to be was the three the three of them Killian Dane Aleister Black and Lars Sullivan but Lars Sullivan is still a wall for some reason he was in a performance center training video or something a promo video package in a commercial this week yeah I don't but that's I don't, the last that's the first I've seen of him in like three months but I don't know why they've pulled him out of storylines there's, got, there's some backstory there that we'll find out yeah, eventually exactly we'll figure it out eventually. Well, hey, over on 205 Live, we continued on with the Cruiserweight Championship bracket. Uh, the first of the, I guess this is the quarterfinals, technically. Cedric Alexander facing off against TJP, TJ Perkins. Um, this was a hit or miss kind of match for me, but very entertaining. Overall, very, very good. Well, but- overall, 205 Live has been head and shoulders better than it was entertaining we're, we're going we have instead of multiple short matches and a bunch of goofy character promos it's now two big long matches two 20 25 minute matches and then some recaps of overall storylines and a bit of drake maverick being intense and telling everybody how much better the brand is going to be under him yep. which i believe because he's done some great character work with the guys reestablishing that this is about competition and about guys getting serious about wrestling Boom, I'm in. Yes, yep. we've this, this ship has been steered in the right direction. Now, unfortunately, this match, I think, was a little under the, the capabilities of both of these guys. Sure. It was a little bit of an underwhelming match for both of them. Uh, it seemed like they weren't quite on the same page. A couple of miscommunications. The finish came really suddenly. It was a lot of good work, but it, just, it was very underwhelming for what we know both of, the, both of these guys are capable of. But at the end of the day, Cedric Alexander, shout out to Charlotte, uh, goes over TJP and moves on to the semifinals. So, yeah. yeah. Cedric Alexander cool. continues on. And he he faces the winner of the next match of the night, which was Roderick Strong versus Kalisto, which was basically a match where Roderick Strong looked as good as he has looked for however for a long time in NXT. He continued looking great, but we were reminded how great Kalisto is. Yes. And that's been a long time since Kalisto has looked good doing anything because they've been booking him so terribly whether it's being thrown in a dumpster or being competitive with Enzo Amore. Finally, someone who can go in the ring with Kalisto and allow Kalisto to do the the super fast athletic stuff that he's good at. My God, I mean, some of the stuff in this match, it made me hungry to see Kalisto versus like Leo Rush. A couple of fast guys just going 110 miles an hour. I can't wait for that. This 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 was the match of the show. Well, should Ro- should Roboterick Strong have, have won? Oh, stop it with your Roboterick oh, well, Strong. The, the commentary was even calling out about his kids and his trailer park I upbringing. I know you and- hate his story, but come on, man. He's fantastic. Get over it. He is he is really good in the ring. He's really I'm good not in the ring, man. He's really good, and he picks up the win here to face Cedric Alexander next week. Uh, not next week, but in the next round. Yeah. In the next round. Next week, we're getting more of the second round. Probably two or three weeks. 
Yeah. All I know is I'm all in. Yeah. We've got six more weeks to WrestleMania till we finally figure out who our final two guys are for the WrestleMania match. I, I can't wait. And another thing that's making me salivate, and this might not even be 205 news. Uh, this is just cruiserweight in general. Uh, the king of the cruiserweights, Neville, is rumored to be back in talks with WWE. They might Uh-oh. have brought him back. He supposedly was waiting out his contract, uh, just took his balls and went home. But apparently now with the new direction of 205 Live, uh, there may have been some discussion between WWE and him, and he may be open to coming back. Now, whether he ends up on 205 Live and retakes his throne as the king of the cruiserweights, or if he goes to SmackDown or somewhere else, we shall see. Mm. We shall see. But I really hope that rumor is true because God damn Neville's good. Yeah, he is. Well, we can't get away from this show without talking about what happened in New Japan. We actually had a crossover pay-per-view yeah. with Ring of Honor called Honor Rising. Two nights of fantastic wrestling. I actually was, I'd slept on this. I'm not going to lie. I slept on this pay-per-view uh, or, or, or big event, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I didn't see this coming. And I actually caught it just one night where I was, you know, lying on the couch and about to pass out. I'll put on some New Japan. I stayed up and watched the whole damn thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was just night one because they are doing, they're going all in on the storylines uh, with these right now. There's a, an ongoing story. The Bullet Club, as if you know, if you follow New Japan, you know the Bullet Club is falling apart. Uh, Cody turned on Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega reunited with his old Golden Lovers tag team partner, Kota Ibushi. And the Golden Lovers are back together again and now feuding with the Bullet Club. And the whole Bullet Club is divided as to what side they fall on. Marty Skrull doesn't know who to go with. The Young Bucks don't know who to go with. Cody is getting in everybody's ear like a little snake and trying to drive people against each other. Well, this, this continued in, uh, in this with a couple of tag matches, night one and night two. We had some tag matches where the Golden Lovers with some compatriot were facing off against members of of Bullet Club. Uh, and the first night, uh, they lost. The second night, they won with a beautiful double V trigger to the face of Marty Skrull, who, by the way, our boy Marty Skrull is having a hard time. He doesn't know who to go with. His hair has turned gray. His hair has turned gray from what? all the stress oh, going no. on in the Bullet Club. I know. Poor Marty. Poor Marty. Uh, but here's the thing. The Golden Lovers are back together. It's the first time they've really debuted to have a match. And they are getting a hugely positive response and and kenny omega has said in an interview that he didn't sign with wwe he re-signed with new japan because they were willing to let him do this whole golden lovers angle hmm. and at this point i think it's safe to say that this massive response has vindicated his choice wow he, they, they are so over and if you watch them wrestle it's it honestly is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen is how fluid and how in tune kenny and, and cody uh, sorry kenny and kota are it's fantastic it's really great uh and something that's very exciting as you as you know nick we're having strong style evolved here in long beach coming up at the end of the month so at the end of the second night we had the young bucks who cody got in their ear and said well you know coda and kenny are kind of saying they're the best tag team in the world and i thought that was you guys here's the difference young bucks are junior heavyweights they announced they're going to step up to the heavyweight division in order to face Kenny and Kota at Strong Style Evolved Ooh. in what could be the match of the freaking year. Holy shit. Yeah. That's, so that's going to be insane. Uh, we are also going to see uh, Cody versus Omega one-on-one at the Supercard of Honor 12, which is coming up. 
that could be good. And they're building up Hangman Page to face off against Jay White and other Bullet Club news. Hangman Page on the on this program definitely looked like he was gunning for Jay White's U.S. title. Probably going to happen. It's Strong Style Evolved as well. Um, I want a, one other, one or two other quick things about this show before we move on. So Beer City Bruiser is a Ring of Honor guy. He's as old school as you guys. He's a big, fat, ugly wrestler who spits beer at the audience, talks about his nag wife back at home. He had a coming out party on this show. If you had slept on Beer City Bruiser, he got inserted into a couple of matches because of other people getting injured. He had a, a title match for the Never Openweight Championship against Hiroki Goto that was insane. I, I, I had slept <laughs> okay. on Beer City Bruiser. That match was great, hard-hitting, some great athletic stuff. And then the next night, Trent Beretta had a match uh, against uh, Dalton Castle. But Trent got injured at the last PWG show, so he couldn't go as much as he wanted to, although he did still. I don't know how he pulled off some of the moves with the injuries that he had, but he still went. But they put Beer City Bruiser into that and made it a three-way, and it made it even better. Oh, God. So Dalton Castle, Trent Beretta, and Beer City Bruiser all in a match? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want to go back and watch that. Though, well, another one you want to watch, Flip Gordon. Are you, know, are you up on Flip Gordon? Yes. Dude is athletic as hell. And he was in a match with Kushida and, Hir- and Hiromu Takahashi. Well, the most important question anytime you bring up Hiromu Takahashi is, was Daryl in attendance? Oh, of course, it's Daryl. Oh. Daryl's, Daryl's everywhere. Well, Daryl well, is in all of us, Nick. Oh, yes. Daryl's kind yeah. of like Rusev Day. Speaking of which, how is Gerald? Uh, he's good. He's going to be debuting soon in a, in a local uh, promotion. He's sewing his lucha mask together right oh, now. Oh, and, uh, oh Ian, we, we can't talk about oh, that. Oh, right. NDA, right? NDA, we, NDA. We can't talk sorry. about that. Uh, non-disclosure. My bad. Uh, sorry. Flip Gordon versus Hiromu Takahashi and uh, Kushida. Night one, he ended up picking up the victory in the three-way match, and it was insane. It, as you would expect, massively athletic. Uh, I had slept on, on Flip Gordon as well, and honestly, I look forward to him potentially being in the Battle of Super Juniors this year. I really hope that they do book him for that because uh, uh, Kushida and Hiromu did a good job of putting him over here, and he definitely deserves to be in their company. Well, hey, speaking of Hiromu Takahashi, he is going to have a match with Flip Gordon at Ring of Honor's 16th anniversary show. And that's going to be well worth a watch. And honestly, this whole show from New Japan, the Honor Rising show, both nights one and two, well worth a watch. Lots of entertaining matches there. Definitely a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. I, I was ready to sleep on it. I'm so glad I didn't. I definitely want to go back and watch it, just even just, just to see all of the Bullet Club stuff. It's just non- talking about. Yeah, it's nonstop in-ring storytelling. It's it's fantastic. Wow. Uh, and, oh, there was a little bit where uh, uh, in the after in the after match promos, where the, the the post match promos, where Kenny Omega said that Cody came across like a WWE reject. Oh, yeah, a lot of good yes. stuff. Yes, a lot of good stuff. Well, hey, speaking of good stuff, the mixed match challenge rages on. Now, this week we had Asuka and Miz facing off against Finn Balor and Sasha Banks. This just keeps getting better every week. It's just it's the best place to see them display their natural charisma when they don't have to be as they don't feel as stuffy as they are on 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 the on Raw and SmackDown. I mean, I can't really put it any better than that. They all feel looser. It's just fun. It's just fun. They're all having Fun. Even even Oscar is showing so much more character. She's she was hilarious this week. She was great, uh, and the Miz was great. Everything was yeah. This was this was another great mixed match challenge special. The I had a question about the finish where I don't know. I didn't feel like Finn was protected enough. I feel like they could they could have gotten out of it more easily. The other question I have is why 
they're making it part of Asuka's streak. They're saying that if she loses in mixed match challenge, it counts towards her. It like takes away her streak. And that doesn't make sense to me. If there's a difference in singles versus, well, I guess maybe in a mixed match setting, I, but that she's, she can only be pinned by a a female. Well, but she won't get pinned. If, if Miz gets pinned, they were saying in this particular show, if Miz gets pinned, then her streaks over. Oh, that's horseshit. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They would have to then adjust what they were saying to say she's never been pinned or submitted. It's, it's yeah. Hogwash. I don't know why they're going with that angle on this. It makes little to no sense. And if, you know, if the, it, now we have one of two outcomes, either Miz and Oscar win the whole thing and, you know, their charity, which is, I believe, like a rescue pets charity gets all the money, which, you know, fair go. But we've got other charities on here like, I don't know, cancer and veterans and Lots of other stuff. Like, right. I was like, really? You picked that? Okay. Uh, either they win the whole thing or Asuka's streak is quote unquote broken, even though in my opinion, it totally wouldn't be. No. I don't know. Makes no sense. Don't know what that is going on there. We will keep you apprised as these shows go on. Well, hey, to finish the show out here, we've got a bit of a rapid fire segment that we can, we've got a lot of little lightning round. type things. Lightning, lightning round. round. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. So to start things off, Big Show's contract is seemingly Done. Yeah, his contract's up, and he doesn't look like he's renewing. Yeah, what happens to him now? I don't know. Is he maybe he quietly fades off into the sunset? I'm hearing, I'm hearing different reports. Some people are saying, yeah, he's just going to go do movies and you know maybe show up every once in a while, be on a Legends contract, kind of like Mark Henry. Yeah. Other people are saying that he's not done. That they're gonna, he's going to figure out a way to come back because he's in the best shape of his life, which he is. Uh, he has a freaking six pack for the first time ever. But I mean, this guy has had a legitimately legendary career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when he does decide to truly retire, retire, he's a first, he's a first round hall of famer. Oh, of course. You know what Easily. I mean? He is hall of fame immediately. So I, I don't, yeah. The, the, all that we know is contracts up. What happens next? We shall have to wait and see. I personally, I just think a lot of stuff has to happen or move on before there's room for him to come back into the WWE. Oh, so absolutely. There's, absolutely. There's so much going on right now that there's just not a spot. Speaking of contracts, uh, Wrestling Observer has announced that both Keith Lee, our boy Keith mm. Lee, and Walter uh, have both been offered NXT contracts. Get ready, NXT Universe, because you're going to be basking in his freaking glory. Oh, bask in his glory. Oh. I, now here's the thing. Uh, Walter has gone on Twitter and refuted this, saying, I haven't been offered anything. Shut up. But, yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> we, we'll see with that. Uh, but I think all Walter would be a good addition if they do decide to go after him. That being said, Keith Lee has not taken any bookings after May. So if he did sign that contract, it could be a ricochet situation where denial, 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 but you're not booking anything in the future. And that could be telling right there. My God, if Keith Lee ends up in WWE, the sky is the freaking limit for that dude. Keith Lee versus Killian Day. I, I let me, what? let me actually, let me actually back up on that. Okay. Not before we start fantasy booking, who he'd be, who'd be, he'd be <laughs> okay. against the sky is not the limit because he is limitless. Yeah. Oh, not well done, sir. He is limitless. Keith the Lee. limitless Keith, Keith Lee. Lee. Uh, really quick, Keith Lee, who we will, you and I will be seeing challenge for the PWG Championship, Chucky yes. e. T's PWG Championship at Time is a Flat Circle, 
which we now have tickets to. Good on you, sir. Thank you. We got for tickets being there in the sixty seconds that you had the, the availability to do it. Sixty seconds before that thing sold out. Not only did <laughs> it sell out, it oversold. It oversold so much. PWG had to move the event from Encino. Reseda. Reseda. Excuse me. They had to move it to downtown Los Angeles at the Globe Theater. Which, by the way, go online look at the Globe Theater pictures of the Globe. It is freaking gorgeous. Uh, hey, apparently, because of all we were talking about earlier in Raw, beach balls and iPods or other tablets have now been banned from WrestleMania this year. Yep. Instead of making the storylines better, we're just going to take your stuff away is yep. basically what uh, what they're telling us. Uh, also, what they're telling us is that that Fox deal is looking more and more likely because on SmackDown Live, we had a whole front row full of Fox executives and personalities, uh, in, including Colin Coward, who has not had any problem in the past shitting all over wrestling including insulting eddie guerrero after he died uh you know making fun of of wrestling fans right and left i believe the exact term he used because he's a you know fully grown man is booger eaters uh in his in tweets in the past i mean he's a professional troll is what he is yes um and all he does is you know try to make headlines by using hot takes so of course i think this is about this is basically a work on his part. He's trying to get people to to listen to him by saying all this crap. But the hypocrisy of him suddenly being at SmackDown after years and years of shitting on wrestling is not lost on me. And as a typical wrestling fan who gets very defensive about the thing that I love, this goes out to you, Colin Coward. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. We don't have time for your shit. No, and my Dominican Republic friends also want to say to you to go fuck yourself because you insulted them as well. Yeah. We could go on a whole list of Colin Coward's worst of moments. We're not going to. All I'm going to say is get the hell out of my arena. Exactly. Hey, next up, John Cena is set to face Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. All right. So this is a rumor we need to address. Uh, a, a, another little troll, Justin Barrasso uh, of Sports Illustrated, reported that Rey Mysterio was backstage at SmackDown Live. Uh, this was refuted by a bunch of reputable sources. Uh Justin Barrasso's is a hack. He's been disproven on many things that he's put on Sports Illustrated. He's a contributor to Sports Illustrated. He's not actually employed by them. So I don't know I don't know where he gets his stuff from, but he likes to make up stuff just to get headlines. Now, that being said, the only thing that I'm refuting about him about here is Ray Mysterio actually being backstage. There is an actual rumor that Ray is in talks to come back for a possible WrestleMania match with John Cena. However, I think that is a big drop off from Undertaker. L- all love and respect to Rey Mysterio, but Undertaker's on another level from everybody. Yeah. So, you know, that definitely would be a second choice behind Undertaker. I think people would still be excited about it, just not as excited, and I also I personally think it's a bit more of a long shot. Mm, yeah, I do too. I don't I don't see that happening at all. I'm being completely honest. Hey, speak, staying with the WWE, Stephanie McMahon was over on the Lillian Garcia podcast saying, quote, what Vince does best is listen to the fans. Mm-hmm. End quote. Uh-huh. I, I, I really, right. I, I could just laugh at that and laugh that off. Um, I, 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 that's the easiest thing to do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does listen to the fans. I just think he listens to his pocketbook more and he can listen to us all he wants. But at the end of the day, whether or not he cares is really the, the, the problem. 
Well, I don't, it's not about caring to me. It's, he might very well be listening to the fans and just doing the exact opposite just to get heat. Yeah, I hear you. I'm just going to do my own thing anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, to, to, to take that at face value and actually react to it as opposed to just laugh uncontrollably, that's, that's kind of the take on that. Uh, one more quick indie note. So we've got a, a promotion here in LA called Bar Wrestling, and uh, our, our good friend Vanessa, uh, also known as uh, Judge Gunsberg, uh, Justice Gunsberg, she was at the show. She's uh, friends with some, with Joey Ryan. And let me know what happened at Bar Wrestling in downtown Los Angeles. It is a no-ring promotion. They just basically... What, how does that work? They brawl all over a bar, basically. But she, I, I, Why she's, have we not gone to this? She's shown me... If, we, we're going we're gonna to have to. This sounds amazing. <laughs> I've, I've seen clips of it. This it's, it's actually as insane as you'd think it would be. I mean, I saw a clip of Darby Allen literally climbing on the ceiling... And then ending up doing a plancha onto Jeff Cobb on the floor. It's, it's madness. I saw uh, Brody King uh, deliver a, a, a pile driver to Matt Cross, also known as Son of Havoc, on yep. the bar of this establishment that they had this in. It looks like absolute insanity. Um, they've got other people who work for them. Joey Ryan works for them. Uh, th- I can't wait to go see this with you, Nick. We're going to have to go check this out as soon as possible. Well, we're, we're, we're going to have to t- take a breather. For a minute to before we go ingest any more wrestling uh, like bar wrestling, but we definitely want to go see that because holy crap, what a week of wrestling this has been. Uh, we are next week. We do the go home show for Fastlane on the SmackDown brand, and then we are one month away, my friend, from WrestleMania. From WrestleMania, and it will be a packed month as well. If if we can sneak into uh, Strong Style Evolved, we're going to be going to PWG. We're going to try and get to some bar wrestling. We're going to try and get to a bunch of stuff. And maybe even go back to Lucha Underground again if yes. I can get tickets again. So lots of stuff coming up, including WWE, and it's going to be madness. It's madness and chaos. It's madness and chaos, but please stick around and join us. Yes, join us over on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open at the top, and you will find us there. Also, follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. We do do some live tweeting here and there with certain events. Also, if you want to support this show, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash BWO. Throw a dollar in the tip jar. Thank you very much for those of you that support the show. Also, you can buy some sweet swag over at orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. You can find all kinds of t-shirts, cups, phone cases, stickers, everything you'd need over at the merch store. And don't forget to go to your podcast app of choice, whether it's iTunes or if you're on Android. Follow us, like, share, subscribe, and leave us feedback. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what we could improve about the show so that it's the best listening experience for you. Absolutely. And for those of you that have left Facebook reviews, thank you very much. I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I will be celebrating the five-time, five-time, five-time champion Booker T's birthday today. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, will somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.